I hear the first one's very controversial. Like, I don't, I never saw any yeah, of them. Yeah, because normally people don't tend to spit on graves, usually. I mean, normally you want someone that's going to swallow your grave. <laughs> <laughs> Hello and welcome to Horrible Friends. We're a podcast and book club format about horror movies. This week we've got Pay the Ghost in our month of Cage. Starting off, I'm Kyle. And I'm Chris. I'm Mike. I'm Dan. And I'm Jarvis. And generally this podcast works in a uh, a step-by-step manner. We're going to talk a little bit about the history. We're going to talk about the plot. We're going to talk about the cinematics and special effects. We are going to talk about the music and sound and uh, we're going to talk a little about how we feel about it in our spoopy meter. So starting off, Dan, do you have the history for Pay the Ghost? Sure. Pay the Ghost uh, horror movie came out in 2015. It is directed by Uli Idol, who is known for directing things like uh, Houdini and Bader, Meinhof Complex and Christian F and Hotel Adlon. The writer for this is Dan Kay, who's known for writing things like IT, Way Off Broadway, and Timber Falls. The filming location for this is done in Toronto, Ontario, and New York City. For the budget for Pay the Ghost, um, unfortunately, I could not find this. I looked for it for a little bit, couldn't find it anywhere. I don't know. But the box office numbers for this, I know that it had a gross of $2.9 million. The runtime for this movie is about 94 minutes. And if you would like to watch this movie, you can watch it for free on Tubi, uh, Amazon Prime Video with a subscription, or Google Play or YouTube with a subscription as well. It'll cost you a little bit of money on that. Our tagline for this is Evil Walks Among Us. Man. Wow. How cliche. Giving that, a, giving that a, a nice big old one out of ten. <laughs> yep. Don't spoil the spoopy meter now. <laughs> <laughs> the nude clock, which we do every week uh, to kind of point out the silliness of nudity in horror movies that they generally do. This week, we do not have a nude clock. I didn't remember seeing any butts. I don't remember seeing any man nipples. Uh, definitely <laughs> didn't see any naked ladies. I don't know what you guys could possibly say. But I didn't see anything. Well, at about the 25-minute mark, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, nothing happened. Okay, right, great. Cool. Okay. Oh, you so you mean the, the, the whole movie then? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Happened. I mean, all, yeah, okay. all, also at the 45-minute yep. mark, not, not, nothing happened. Oh. <laughs> I mean, there were a lot of, like, city skylinescapes. And sometimes I think those buildings look like boobies. So, okay. there's that. You know what? There could there could have been naked people in those. We buildings. can't rule it out. We really can. All right. So, 2015 horror movies. Uh, we have. So we just did this for cramp. We literally did this last week. So um, I I tried to pick out other movies this week. We have Krampus. Yes, I was going to say released <laughs> in 2015. If you didn't know, Krampus. <laughs> we have Sinister Two. Came out in 2015. I Spit on Your Grave, th- part three. A lot and of spit. The, yeah, it's the a lot of spit. That three, three. <laughs> and uh, the remake of Poltergeist. Well. And with that, 
let me pass it over to Jarvis, who has our plot summary this week. Alrighty, thank you, Dan. Yes, uh, as he said, uh, we are doing Pay the Ghost from 2015 this week. This is our second week of the month of Cage, which I gotta say, I'm very excited for. I'm lying. I'm very good at it. Um, but no, seriously, uh, I did not watch very many. Uh, I didn't know how many Nick Cage horror movies there were uh, until we started out on this. But uh, it's it's in, it's interesting. I'd never heard of this film. So let's get into the movie. We start with the opening credit scene. We see this cool, creepy, sort of moist imagery, almost reptilian. Um, kind of hard to, to place what it had to do with the movie. Um, I didn't find any semblance. But whatever, it's dark and ominous and scary and wet. Yeah, that's a good segue. Because after that, boom, we see New York, 1679. If, like me, um, any of you listeners wanted to look up a little bit about this film, you would see that it's about a man who's trying to find his son a year after his disappearance. So when I saw New York 1679, I didn't know what to do with that information. Uh, yeah, this was this was like a uh, honestly unnecessary scene because they show it again later. And it's, it's <laughs> yeah, we could have just started the movie. It's fine. Yeah, completely ri- like ridiculously unnecessary. It did nothing. Well, we had to pad the had to pad the runtime. I, I guess. Yeah, got to be over that hour and 30 minutes, right? It made 2.9 million. <laughs> like, there, there are reasons. <laughs> well, what I would say is that though this uh, this scene doesn't exactly further the plot uh, in any way, it, it does kind of start out the, uh, the child-centric narrative pretty early on. Um, because now we're, we are in the basement, right, of what I can only assume at this point is Voodoo Mama Juju's house. Uh, there's a whole lot of pentagrams, a whole lot of pagan imagery. Um, you know, anytime there's like an adorned animal skull, you just know that place is going to be fucking awesome. So uh, the the children are hiding under the floorboards, what's presumably the, under the floorboards. It's, it's a basement under the house, and they can hear what we assume is their mother getting kind of thrown around upstairs. We hear her screaming. We hear men. Uh, we hear kind of the, the clatter. And the youngest of the three children that are hiding uh, screams out and says, mother, and alerts the men or whoever of the position down the stairs. And we see an axe go through the floorboard and darkness. And now we are fast forwarding. We're going to do a little shooting around at this point um, because we go from Kristen's room to Nick Cage's character, who is in like a large university library. Uh, we don't see what he's researching or exactly what he's doing. Um, and he only stops what he's doing. It's obviously very late. He's like the only person in there and he only stops what he's doing because his phone alerts him that it's like almost out of battery, like kind of like his phone is like annoyed at it. I don't know. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I've never seen a phone go, Hey, I'm out of battery. <laughs> this is your fault. This, this shuts down the phone. <laughs> I blame you. I mean, you're in a library, man. Look at the books. Like, how much porn do you have to watch in a public library for your phone to be completely, (laughs) completely dead? It's a consistent theme of this whole movie is him not having phone battery. So, Uh well, he gets back home. At least there's one theme. Yeah. (laughs) Snap. (laughs) We found it, guys. Let's go home. (laughs) Well, he drives back home. When he gets back home. Uh, he sees Charlie is in bed with Kristen. 
So he takes Charlie, as most fathers would, takes him back into his room, and they have a sweet little discussion about uh, what uh, Nick Nick Cage's character, Mike, is going to be for Halloween. Um, You know, just some polite back and forth, uh, setting up the father-son narrative. But uh, Charlie does tell him that there is something outside of his window. He checks, he doesn't see anything. Now we go to Mike and Kristen in bed. We get a little pillow talk. Um, so from this exchange and from earlier, we can kind of ascertain that he's a writer or, you know, some sort of college professor. It's answered afterward, um, because the direct next scene is like him in a lecture hall. He's doing a quick lecture circuit, uh, at a university and he kind of gives off the air that like, he's the cool professor. They're talking about like, you know, the, the dark stories that kind of molded what we what we now know to be Halloween and like sort of the original creepy stories that sort of fed a lot of the the traditional narratives and and themes we see in a lot of, you know, horror movies and, you know, stories even today. Yeah, I was going to say I does anybody else remember in college if anybody actually wore costumes to class? No. No. Exactly. No. I remember like I had one class that sticks out in my memory. This girl walked in a full-on like costume, and she felt like she was so proud of herself, and she stood out like a sore thumb, and it was awkward because she was in full costume, and everybody else was like, "Hey, it's Thursday." Yeah, that's embarrassing. <laughs> <And> we're adults. <laughs> it's Thursday. <laughs> I will. Yeah, I think this is a community college. I'm pretty sure this is a community college. Yeah, a community college that's set up like fucking Cambridge. Like it, it looks. Uh-huh. <laughs> it's the most expensive <laughs> college you've ever seen, and Nick Cage is gunning for a position. And you've got you've got an actual full classroom of forty five kids, and they all clap for him because he's cool, professor. <laughs> Everybody likes. That's, him. I like, was going to ask you guys. Like, I I was never in like a brick and mortar college environment. It, do people clap after lectures? No. Is that something that happens? No, no. not at all. <laughs> Almost never. Oh, never, never. Yeah, I, I think we may have had like a guest speaker every once in a while, and like you clap for the guest speaker, you don't clap, clap for like the professor. <laughs> <laughs> they finish their anatomy and physiology, and they're like, and that's the way the penis works. <laughs> <laughs> Inspiring. <laughs> Just tremendous. So the next scene. Uh, we go back to the house where uh, this scene is basically just The Shining sponsored by Razor Scooter. It's almost like a shot-for-shot remake, just updated with not a tricycle, right? So this is Charlie going through the halls with his Razor Scooter. Um, I guess this is, like, furthering that, you know, he likes this Razor Scooter. Like, this is something that he does. It's an object that is close to him. He's wearing a pirate outfit. It is Halloween. Um... And they can't afford an eye patch, apparently, because it is Sharpie to his face. But they can afford a Rosa, who is who is their maid, or nanny. Holy hell, that made me so mad. Uh-huh. I was like, why did they not just buy a dollar store eye patch? <laughs> <laughs> they just painted it on. fucking house. I, I was like, I thought that was like a good idea to have it painted on. Just because like, if you're a kid, you don't want to obstruct your vision. And like have one eye covered all the time. I was like, yeah, that. I mean, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I was like, yeah, that's wrong. a great idea. <laughs> I'm, I'm probably wrong. I'll take. I, I might take that. That's all right. Just flip it up because I had this. I had 
I had the same first reaction to him. Like, why he has a, like a low rent, like just painted on eye patch. I'm like, wait a minute. I, I just don't want the kid to have lost vision. Cause if he has lost vision, he might get kidnapped. So that's why they painted the eye patch on. So yeah. he didn't get kidnapped. Hold on. Are we insinuating that we would rather Sharpie on an eye patch near the kid's eye rather than buy an eye patch for like a dollar? <laughs> Is is that what we are insinuating right now? Yeah, well, you can tell you can tell by their their wonderful four story uh, uh, New York New house brownstone. <laughs> brownstone. Yes, uh, that they don't have enough money to be able to buy one of those. <laughs> no, but she's a butterfly scientist and he collects pogs, <laughs> and their budget is eight hundred thousand uh, dollars. I would I would probably amp that up to like six million dollars in New York City. But yeah, go ahead. Yeah. we may have to drop a million on that that was a nice place it was a nice place that, that was a nice place you know it's funny because they yeah. said that um you know when so Kristen walks in right I, I don't mean to cut you off but it'll further our point um so uh Kristen walks in and she asks rosa like you know how was his art class that she picked him up from and that's when charlie shows Kristen his dark and ominous figure drawing on his iPad, which is like the most tortured rich kid thing I could, I could come up with. <laughs> <laughs> like, let me like just open up procreate. Image. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, he's an adjunct professor. Of course they can afford all of this stuff. Yeah. Come on. Sorry. We know how much adjunct professors. Uh-huh. Make. I mean, everybody knows teachers make too much money. I mean, everybody says it all the time. They need to get a pay cut. They're not, even work, they're not even in schools anymore. They're at home. Lazy. 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 That's right. <laughs> Somebody said it. So everybody's thinking it. Somebody has to say it. <laughs> Thank God for you. <laughs> no, but I mean, God, uh, uh, we could talk about this fucking face paint thing all day. But like, even to, like, Dan and I, I, I feel like can go on a fucking tangent about this. But like. Why would you sharpie it to your face? That's something you do to your drunk asshole friend so that they have to go to work the next day and tell everyone (laughs) (laughs) that they're a drunk asshole and they fell asleep at the party. Maybe they they topped him up on NyQuil and just drew it on his face. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe he doesn't know he has it painted on his face. Stupid ass seven-year-old kids. (laughs) I think it makes it ten times better. (laughs) Now, shooting back to the university, uh, we see Nick Cage. Now, he he is kind of on a time limit because he has promised Charlie from the night prior that he is going to meet up with them and go trick-or-treating. Um, so he stops over uh, really quickly to check his, his uh, mailbox for letters. He's been very anxious about a position that he's uh, been trying to get. He opens his letter, um, and he rushes off to show Hannah who is one of the, I guess, senior professors. I don't really know the terminology necessarily, but uh, she, she rather is the first person that he tells that uh, he has in fact gotten tenure. Like he is, he's a full fledged professor at the university. Um, And she is so excited. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) While this is happening though, she is observing a piece of a ship, uh, presumably a ship from the 1600s, they think. Um, you know, because foreshadowing. And mm. this is where we talk about uh, ghost ship proximity again. Mm. I feel like, you know. Ye old ghost shippy. I mean, what what is the range that, you know, a, a ghost ship is, you know, lethal at? I don't know. 
Uh, we haven't figured that out. We know it can go next to it, but can it go uh, 400 years into the future? I don't know. On a single piece of driftwood. Good. On a single piece of driftwood, yep. <laughs> I think I think this ties really nicely into TugCon. Um, no, 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 no. <laughs> you have been vetoed. No more TugCon talk. <laughs> I disagree. Mike, you should have been vetoed. Quite a bit ago with some of your jokes. Well, that's fair. But I didn't get my invitation as a speaker at TugCon this year, so I am very bitter. Well, I mean, you can stay as a as a tenured speaker, uh, maybe. Oh, you could try to, but at, right now you're an adjunct speak- speaker, and you can only afford one brownstone, okay? I may have uh, glanced over some of the invitations mm. when I sent them out. That's my bad. Look, all, all I'll say is sign up now for TugCon and you too can also have an iPad sharpied onto your eye. You're loving it. Loving it. (laughs) Well, Mike meets them back at the house. Uh, Kristen is like a little, she's kind of obviously perturbed of his absence. Uh, He does tell her that he got the tenure. They're excited about that. Uh, And to kind of make up for it, sort of an olive branch, uh, Mike, uh, again, uh, Nick Cage's character offers to take Charlie to the Halloween carnival. That's just down the couple blocks that they can hear that he's been asking to go to. Charlie sees a cloaked figure uh, within the, the crowd of people. And we get like a kind of a close up jump scare, which is not, you know, not half bad. Uh, Mike offers to get Charlie some ice cream. Uh, and this was after them moving through the crowd and, he uh charlie ran into like this cloaked figure which we kind of presume is the same thing and after that like he has sort of this kind of different mannerism about him and as they're getting ice cream he turns to mike and says dad can we pay the ghost and as uh mike has the (laughs) the ice cream handed to him charlie is gone take it away and we have a title (laughs) there's the thing he said it (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> what did it even mean i love that I, I mean i'm not skipping ahead on you but like later on like he asked someone he's like what does pay the ghost mean he says just what it says i guess no. <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah that was i still well. have no idea what pay the ghost means. neither did the writers well, you you pay the ghost and then the ghost doesn't do something? Or he does do something? I wasn't clear on that. <laughs> There's an exchange of goods and services? I I, I was never very clear. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, you, you get two things out of a transaction, right? You either get a good or a service. And I don't know what we're getting here. Are we getting a child? Are we getting uh, uh, not being kidnapped? Is that a service or is it a protection thing? Is it like a mob thing? I don't know what's going on. Children are neither. They're financial liabilities. There's no service nor good. <laughs> is this like a subscription plan? <laughs> like, do you have to pay the ghost or Monthly else they'll cancel or, it? Yeah. Is, is there a layaway? Christmas is coming up. I mean, we, we already know that he's not good with the cell phone, yep. so probably doesn't pay a cell phone plan. You think that he's going to pay this subscription? Oh, come on. Mm. No, it's probably one of those subscriptions that you just forget you have, and it keeps taking you money every month. <laughs> then before you know it's like, I've been paying the ghost for 12 months. <laughs> <laughs> My, this is the part where Mike talks, Mike talks about his money troubles from OnlyFans. Son of a bitch. <laughs> 
<laughs> I'm still I'm still subscribed to Candy Sweets. Uh, back to the carnival. Uh, so Charlie is gone. Charlie is now missing. He said the title. No one knows what the hell it means. Um, and now Nick Cage's character, Mike, is frantically looking for him. Uh, he's looking back and forth. He sees a cop, uh, tries, tries to get his a- assistance in the matter. And the cop recommends, well, maybe he went home. And this was the worst cop. I did not. This cop. Worst cop. I was so mad. Hey, well, uh, your son's missing. Maybe he went home. You should probably go check. <laughs> We're from Arkansas. I'm going to go I, did anybody else get the feeling when he was running through the crowd, like screaming for his son? Uh, he just said, Jason! 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 <laughs> I, I was really sad yeah. about the ice cream. That ice cream fell hard. Yeah, well, insane. It did look good. I think it's funny that all of you said that the cop was awful, because I were telling that the cop was surprisingly good, but it might just be because my standards for American police officers is so low <laughs> that I'm just happy they didn't shoot the guy as soon as they ran up to him. Like, my kid's missing. Freeze! <laughs> so you need to calm <laughs> down. My kid's missing. He's resisting arrest. Put him down. <laughs> Tase him. Tase him. Taser. Taser. <laughs> We're not we're not winning any we're not winning any fans here with the thin blue line crowd. <laughs> <laughs> nah. Oh well. Oh well. No. <laughs> we just keep scratching off demographics yeah, every no week. Shit. You have to pigeonhole your audience. The smaller your audience, the more dedicated and loyal they are. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> we are never getting sponsorship, I swear to God. It's never gonna happen. <laughs> what I will say though is that uh Sarah Wayne Callie's puts on a pretty impressive display here. Like, her acting in this, no matter how you feel about the film overall, she is phenomenal. She's a phenomenal in pretty much everything she does. Yeah, the, the acting in this the acting in this was great. I had no no problems with that. I'd say it was fine. The kid, was, the kid wasn't great. The kid fell him. flat. Oh, so flat. That goes back to, like, child actors. Yeah, like, it's, it's so yeah. unpredictable. One year later, it's he is in a one-bedroom apartment. Uh, there's, like, news clippings and fucking string and, you know, the, the typical, like, you know, you're trying to put together a case uh, sort of imagery on the wall. Um, <clears throat> we actually can kind of ascertain a lot of things for the, from the next couple of scenes. Uh, Kristen will not take his calls, uh, but she does still have, like, you know, his picture ID with him holding Charlie. and So that there's still some longing there. Well, we're three days before Halloween. And uh, he is still teaching, but it's not in the same lecture hall. You know, it almost looks like more of a community college. So, yeah, so he, he's still at the college, presumably, because Hannah asks if he needs to take another leave of absence. Uh, and he's like, no, 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 I, I still need to do this. Um, uh, but we do see that he goes back to the police department. Uh, pretty regularly. He, he's a well-known character around there, and he is constantly bringing in new possible suspects to the detective, and that was uh, Detective Reynolds. I would like to say, uh, like how you said he is, you know, well-known. I just imagine, like, oh, that guy that's still grieving about this missing son is back. It seemed like he was annoyed that Nick Cage was there asking about his son again. It's like, yeah. oh, this guy again? His son's still missing? Someone should probably go find him. Yeah, it's it's <laughs> it's funny how the movie per- wants to portray these cops. It is constantly battling back and forth between these cops are not good, but also praise the NYPD. 
because like it goes it goes from like <clears throat> you know that the kind of mediocre cop who's like what your kid eh, he probably just went home to uh them being like oh this fucker again he's coming in asking for his kid oh my god to two seconds Ugh. two seconds later he pulls out the giant stack of paper he's like i've been working overtime for you because the nypd <laughs> doesn't fuck up okay <laughs> yeah yeah that's what i was gonna no. say like it's a, it was a pretty really solid weird. nypd plug that yeah there's one thing the nypd is or the nypd is a lot of things but it ain't lazy and i was like yeah right, exactly okay <laughs> Okay, that was a good line. Actually, I I like that line in his delivery of it. It was it was pretty. Well. I like that he kept only that file in that filing cabinet. Uh, yeah, like he was. Like, <laughs> he ripped it out. He's like, you see, this is the only thing I ever work on. And also, uh, he had all the files in that's there. That's not my son. He had. Yeah, that's not my son. <laughs> that's not my son. <laughs> that was also he had all the files in the wrong way. He had all the files like. Flat in there, it's like it's a filing cabinet. They, they go in like yeah. files in a filing cabinet. I don't know. This is wrong. How do you not go to pick him up and they all just <laughs> fall over the floor? It's like God yeah. damn it! Uh, it happens every time, man. If only there was a better way to keep these files in this filing cabinet. If there was only some kind of cabinet which I can keep my files in. <laughs> so at this point, uh, Nick Cage's character is still just going around. He's still hanging up missing posters uh, all around New York. Um, and while he's doing this, uh, we start seeing like the vultures fly around again, a uh, common theme from, from before. And we like, I started realizing like the vultures are just totally fucking with, with Mike because they shoot the toy arrow from uh, Charlie's pirate gun, like next to him in his general area. And he's like, what the fuck is this? And then the bus rides by and it's Charlie on the bus. Like he sees Charlie's face. He still sees that Sharpie fucking goddamn <laughs> dad it still won't come off <laughs> i've tried everything dish soap bleach it still burns <laughs> but it won't come off help <laughs> uh, i i all right so like my favorite thing about like where we're going with this now like so he he's walking into the warehouse but the vultures seem so unfazed. Like, they're just typical typical New York vultures. Like, hey, what's you doing around here? And then they go back to eating the garbage out of the, uh, out of the Except dumpster. Except, out of all the times I've been in New York, there has not been a single goddamn vulture. No. Because no. The, the pigeons and the rats take care of everything. They don't need vultures, okay? Who would win in a fight, a pigeon or a rat? A New York mm, pizza rat? <laughs> New York pizza rat or a flying rat? <laughs> Probably, probably a rat. The, the pigeons are just everywhere. They're, they're resilient, but the rats are—they're angry. New York rats are, are feisty, dude. Yeah, I'd agree. I think the, the rats have the advantage over the pigeons because people feed pigeons. People don't feed rats. Rats got to fight for their own. And I know one New York rat who raised four little turtles. <laughs> God, <laughs> you tried. You tried so hard, and I—I I, I am proud of oh, you for that. God. Okay, <clears throat> now we're in the warehouse, uh, and we're down. We're going down the stairs, kind of like into the more basement levels, uh, into this hobo shanty town. Uh, we get a quick uh, jump scare from like one of the one of the mangy ass looking dogs that's uh, on a leash, and he's trying to ask them like, you know, does anyone know what pay the ghost means? Hello, and uh, 
that's when we hear these crazy woman screams and a blind guy with the worst wig I've ever seen tells them to kill the lights and the screaming stops. That was on levels of like Woody Harrelson and like post credits Venom wig like bad. It was bad. And I also I didn't get the point of uh, turning the, the fire off or closing like putting the lid on the fire or something because like it never comes up again. No, never, never. OK. All right. I thought it was just me, but no, I, I, it never comes up again. This thing isn't afraid. Uh, well, actually, it is afraid of fire. I'll say that much. <laughs> it did get attemptively burned at the stake we learned. But like, I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't understand the need to go to this one specific blind dude. Because as we made the joke earlier, as Nick Cage is walking around saying, what does pay the ghost mean? He asks the blind dude. The blind dude says, I don't know either. So it's like. Why was this person even important? Like the decisions in this movie just baffle me. Also, how'd the blind man know exactly where to lead him to where pay the ghost is written all over the wall? Also, also, why did the blind man need a torch to light the way? And why was there a ready-made torch in that barrel? Yes, I did. I did mention the ready-made torch. I was like, oh, cool. He just has it ready. And yeah, <laughs> they do make the joke later on. I guess they probably tried to 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 correct that later on when he tosses him the flashlight and he's like, "You're gonna need it more than I will." And I was like, "That's a funny joke, I guess." But uh, they why did he have it? Why, yeah, place? why did he he's have it in the first place? <laughs> I don't. know. There's a lot of questions as to like what this character was, but I think that the 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 final question is the writers are constantly asking themselves, "But what does pay the ghost mean?" And nobody can answer. <laughs> Well, if we're confused, you better believe our characters are going to be confused. God damn it. So, yes. Uh, so now we, we've touched on the, the, the blind man seamlessly leads him on a quest to the wall that just has pay the ghost fucking written on it like a couple hundred times. Mike tries to have this discussion with Kristen. Uh, he's he basically like trying to explain that there's some sort of supernatural element to what's going on. And it goes exactly as you would expect. Uh, so Mike goes back home to recheck the footage of the fair that Charlie took in the video camera, uh, and he gets nothing. And then back in the brownstone, Kristen hears uh, some spooky noises. She gets uh, she gets up, goes downstairs to investigate, and a razor scooter that Charlie used to, you know, obviously go around in the house with, uh, like self propels itself directly towards her, and then is kind of like thrown down. Like, as if some force had done it, and that alerts her enough that she decides that she and Mike should work together to try to figure out what the fuck is going on. I was very upset with the scooter scene, because it made a connection back to the beginning. And then it's like, oh, something's going to happen. And it's like, nope, we can't have anything too interesting happen right now. We got to get these detective X's back together. So, I, I, I don't... Yeah, I agree. It was It was a very, like... Crappy. It was, it was a very light plot point of like, oh, now she's scared. She's got to go get Big Man and save her, which is Nicolas Cage. He's got he makes sense now. It's like I don't know, man. That's some creepy ass shit, though, dude. Like Razor scooters barely stay upright when you ride them. Like, <laughs> like, come on, <laughs> I, I I might make a call. <laughs> so yes, so Kristen and Mike are uh, not back together, but they they are kind of working together to try to to try to address some of the possible supernatural elements uh that mike 
has alluded to. And what they kind of land on after talking about how many kids go missing on Halloween as opposed to any other day is that they should talk to another uh, set of parents of a child that went missing from the year previous. Uh, so they go to this guy's house. Uh, they just walk right in the fucking door after no one answers their knocking. And we walk up and this guy, his name is Mr. Maldonado, and he is a smack junkie. There's heroin, like, everywhere. A whole lot of heroin. I'm going to put it out there that I, I think I think he was uh, Hispanic, I believe they were going for. Um I was like, yeah, way to just make the Hispanic guy the junkie. That's that's also cool, I guess. Yeah, I didn't even think about it that way, but you have a good point. Like, why was he had to be the uh, the junkie and the Chinese couple later on has to be the small business owners? Yeah, I, you could also tell that she barely uh, wanted to be the uh, Chinese business owner. She that was that was a really hard. Yeah, that was a hard uh, hard character to deal with. I guess that was rough. Like they could have just been. Normal what does that people? mean, Chris? Like, yeah, what does that mean? I mean, like, they didn't have to. They didn't have to be a junkie. Like, it could have just been Mr. Maldonado. Here at his apartment. Yeah. Let's talk to him. And they're like, no, let's make him a junkie. I think, like, I, no, didn't have to be a junkie. Not to defend their choices. Like, I don't think it was intended as anything more than it was because I think it was more of a. This is what his life's become since his yeah. daughter went missing. I don't think he was a junkie at the time. Yeah, it, I'll take that. I mean, it's it's fun to treat everything like a racist stereotype, but like to say that only white people should do heroin in horror movies is, I think, equally racist. But I mean, you know, I agree. I think everybody of any race and creed should be able to do as much heroin. All of us should just move to Oregon and do heroin together. That's the only way to combat racism. You heard it here first. You know what? You're on to something. Let's do it. I'm on. I'll see you guys there. I'm on a ton of heroin right now. <laughs> Why do I sound so chipper and awake? Because uh, you're, you're so woke. Because everybody can do heroin. Okay, anyway, so. woke. Okay. <laughs> you're, you're so woke. I I love that their love is rekindled after a day in the heroin addict's home. That's right. They got so romantic. Yeah, I, the the only thing I liked out of this character was I I think his acting was really good. I know we mentioned before the acting in this thing is like pretty decent. I I thought his acting was pretty good. So I I I, I think he had the best acting in the whole movie because yeah. I actually believed uh, he was like distraught father yeah. who like, was missing his daughter and it was just his life went to shit to yeah. shit and it was just I he to me he was the best actor in the whole movie mm-hmm. and the only believable character in his role. Yeah, I'll yeah. take that. Definitely a believable portrayal. I don't know if I'll give him top top billet, but it was good. It was really good. Uh, yeah, I, I liked all the imagery there. Um, and his story is almost identical. Um, so instead of uh, last year, uh, one year ago, it was two years ago. Um, but he basically goes on to say that like he experienced the same kind of phenomenons. Like It seemed like his daughter was trying to reach out. Um, and then after, after that one year, it just completely stopped. So... Uh, so the the cop, even though he was skeptical and he blew off Mike on the phone, uh, he looks into the missing kids. He goes to the Chinese food restaurant that the mother of another gr- girl who was uh, abducted on Halloween also uh, goes there, uh, starts questioning her. She also had a similar experience. And then something about uh, she she didn't say, can we pay the ghost? She said something else. I don't remember. And 
as soon as they start talking about exactly like the details of that day, the flame, and it's from like a, just a, a, a very standard griddle, just like a huge flame almost engulfs the entire fucking restaurant. Yeah, but the guy tried to beat that fire with a <laughs> piece of cloth. That's the only, that's the way I know how to put fires out. That was a oh, the most vigorous fire beating I've ever seen. He was he was so into it. Oh man, that was a good scene. I mean, and you've told me about all the fire beatings you've seen. If this was the most vigorous, yeah, I'm, 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 I'm a I'm a big uh, fire beat fan. So yeah, uh, huge, huge. Uh, this guy was top of his class. If I ever open a restaurant, like that'll be one of my interview questions. Like, listen here, I need a fire beater with vigor. Can you see yourself being that fire beater? <laughs> I don't know why I'm defecting that terrible accent, but yeah, I was saying, why is this always the go-to <laughs> the accent? I think I think Mike's a little. Offended. I'm super offended. I hear you need a uh, someone to beat the fires back. Uh, I'll do that for two points. Two two points. <laughs> yeah. So, so what are you right? talking about? Is not what the mob does. They put like two two points or something like that. I don't know. No. <laughs> I'm in the mob. It's worth two points. Now I'm doing the offensive accent. Isn't it offensive? <laughs> so what they decide um after discussing everything uh because now Kristen is actually listening to everything that's happening to mike is that they decide to call on a medium um and the medium comes in and she she has some good style there was like that nice close-up of her heels like she's looking pretty good this was a very like uh the the badass just whatever shows up to the scene, you know, that the camera angle from down on the ground pointing up towards like just her feet as she gets out of the car. And then you see it like zoom out to her and she's she's supposed to be like the savior. But uh, it doesn't last long. She she goes into the room. She's, you know, touching his, you know, uh, Charlie's toys and objects uh, trying to get some sort of frequency. Uh, but she does settle on the window and she says she's here and she's looking at kind of an oncoming storm and she opens the window and what we I can only presume is the ghost uh, but it is unseen uh, forces her slam forces through the window slamming her up against the wall and literally fries her uh, killing her I guess there's a connection there with uh, with, with- burning at the stake but is i don't everything's so disjointed like there's no direct connections so when i saw it initially like i just pieced that together right when i said that joke i was like oh burning at the stake but like it's just so disjointed when it's happening that i'm unclear of what's going on the thing i took away was uh she's like hey did he spend any significant time in any of these rooms was he well he did live there so probably a couple he spent some time in well, this was his bedroom when he lived here. <laughs> so yeah, he probably spent some time in there. I would think. <laughs> yeah, I, well, so, yeah. So, like, what I will say is that so it's obvious that it was like an allusion to the burning of the stake, but the reason that it doesn't feel obvious is because it was poorly told, right? Like, why is that scene in the beginning of the movie with the kids? Get, I, I, I don't know. I, I could go on. And instead, I'll continue with the story, <laughs> and then I'm sure we're going to tear it to pieces here shortly. So later that night, uh, Kristen 
awakens. She's sleeping upstairs. Uh, Mike's downstairs. She awakens to her iPad showing that picture that Charlie drew before he went missing of that, you know, ominous figure. But now Charlie is hiding behind that figure in the drawing. And then Mike finds Kristen in Charlie's bed after he hears like some commotion upstairs. And Kristen turns around. She looks absolutely crazy, like kind of demonic. Um, and then we hear Charlie's voice coming out of Kristen's mouth. Uh, and he goes on to say, like, Daddy, it's cold. She's coming. It's cold here. You have to save me. And Mike is obviously very startled. He goes around Kristen to see that Kristen is carving the shit out of her forearm with a pair of scissors. Yeah, this is a pretty uh, pretty gnarly scene. I wasn't sure where they were going with it, but I guess it makes sense. She's like, what happened? And he's like, you cut yourself. <laughs> Something out of like an airplane movie. <laughs> and I thought they were going to go down the, the more like sinister route of she she might have started to believe the police that, you know, bad things happen when when Mike's around. And like maybe she thought he was gonna, like, I thought they were. And she was like, nope. OK, I guess we got to go figure out what this symbol is. And he's like, yep. All right, let's go. Nope. <laughs> yeah, I did glance over, obviously, that, you know, the fact that the medium was murdered uh, by a supernatural element in the apartment. The, the cops are. It's the same detective who's already not a fan of Mike, and now he's he, he thinks that there might be something to him being a mass murderer or a serial killer of some sort. I don't know. Yeah, it, he looks a little sus. Uh, so yes, now they they set out to discover what the what the symbol that is carved into Kristen's arm means. Um, so they go to Hannah, back to the university. Uh, who is able to quickly find just like a Google search on an iPhone would find that that's the symbol of the Celtic goddess. And almost effortlessly, they find the uh, connecting story of the woman who was burned at the stake uh, in New York in the early or in the late 1600s, as she was accused of spreading a, uh, a pandemic, which uh -huh. I, uh -huh. I, I got to say, I found interestingly fitting for where we're at in the world right now. Yeah, where's uh, where are all of our Celtic uh folks at? Guardians, uh, guardians. Uh, can we get them? Can we just burn them at the stake? Can yeah, we who? This? Why are we not burning more people? I don't get it. <laughs> it worked before. <laughs> yeah. Duh. Uh, no, I, I did like when when she's trying to figure out what the symbol is. She's like, yeah, it it, it kind of looks like. Well, it just looks like this. Look at my nasty wound. Look at it. And she like shoves it in her face. And she's like, yeah. take a look at it. She's like, oh yeah, that's that's Celtic. Hmm. That's, that's the old Celtic scar. I've seen many of those. <laughs> I would have liked it better if she just went, hmm, yuck, get it away from me. <laughs> <laughs> So th this is where everything starts to get like really, really convenient, right? For the plot. Um, and I don't mean that no, in, a, in a complimentative way. No, this is what we call in the biz crunch time. And we got to wrap this shit yeah, up. Yeah, no shit. <laughs> <laughs> so it just so happens that there's going to be a pagan Irish celebration at the spot where she was likely burned uh, tonight. So let's go. Let's go check that shit out. And as you said, like how they just make everything convenient for the plot now. I have this lady they meet down as exposition lady. Yeah. <laughs> yep. <laughs> exposition school teacher. I loved her. <laughs> that professor lady, I don't know what she studies, but I, I don't know if it's old wood or pagan rituals. But then this, this new lady. <laughs> and, 
Oh, she's a per- she's also a professor. Yeah. Of, uh, she's actually yeah, just a professor of exposition. Oh man, she's actually just a math teacher too. So this is just a side. Little of this, little of that. Everyone's got everyone's got their thing. Okay, so uh, I I can't take the suspense anymore. We have to talk about the the head priestess of this Irish ceremony. Oh, this was my favorite scene. I love this scene so much. Yeah, we're, we're going to talk about the head priestess. Uh, we know that she is important because she is the only one in this creepy ceremony in all white. Everyone else is in black. They're wearing like uh, animal skulls. Uh, it's a very pagan, visually a very pagan uh, ritual that they're throwing. There's fire, there's sacrifice. I don't know. Well, there, there's a lot going on. Uh, so immediately uh, Nick Cage goes right up to her and, and he's like, hey, could somebody tell us about what the fuck is happening with us? Look at my nasty wound. Yeah. <laughs> Can you tell us what this means? I just thought, like, wait, like, this is the hardest and fastest I've ever seen two people bring down a party. <laughs> These people are just trying to have a good time, do their, like, pagan ritual. It's not, they don't, I don't think they really believe in it. It's just more something that is tradition. They're having a good time. And they check out my wound. Our son's missing. <laughs> yeah, they, they come in so hot. They're like, our child's missing. She's like, I, I can't help you with that. You should probably talk to the police. They're like, no, no, no. But look at my wound. She's like, oh, look at my wound. <laughs> She's like, does it I stink? Guess. Does it stink? <laughs> mm, yeah. Uh, Get out of my party. I'm just, I'm just, a, I'm just a, a school teacher. I, I have nothing. And then she's like, but look at it. We heard it's kind of uh, Celtic. And she's like, it is kind of Celtic. Oh, you said Celtic. Eh? And then she goes into a full diatribe about the whole history. And it's like, yeah. Oh, that's, that's the goddess mother. She's, she's the most powerful and evil deity you could ever meet. Okay, cool. Bye. Here is her biography and her Instagram. Thank you for coming. <laughs> No, it, it was very much like, you know, when you're, like, seeking a quest in a video game. Like, oh, I don't know anything about that. And then gives, like, a page-long summary of everything you need to do. Yeah, you, you said the you said the wrong thing at first, where you're like, where's my child? And she's like, I, I, I don't know that. And you're like, okay, but tell me about more about this this uh, Celtic woman. Oh, yes, the Celtic woman is... <laughs> <laughs> where's my child? I don't know. Look at my arm. Oh, well, now that you mention it. I look at children all day. I like your arm way better. <laughs> Phrasing. Phrasing. <laughs> uh, so we learned that the ghost name is Annie Saquin. Uh, she was burned at the stake for suspicion of spreading this, you know, this illness uh, across this uh, colony. It was uh, influenza. Was it influenza? Yeah. So she was forced to watch her children be burned before her. She had three children, the ones we see from the beginning of the movie. And she vowed to come back basically every year, take three children as penance for what happened to her and her family. So, and and this is where I get like, kind of, I, I guess I'm looking too deeply into it. Like, that's all she said. This ghost is killing people left and right. Like it killed the medium for seemingly no reason. And it's haunting people as, as much as it wants and not just on Halloween. There's, uh, I don't know, there was something to be said about, like, a lack of consistency. That is highlighted even more in the scene to follow, because uh, some vultures attack the taxi that Mike and Kristen are in simultaneously um, after Hannah has given them all this information uh, over the phone. 
uh, Hannah is walking out of the university and the ghost kills her for like zero reason. Yeah, and, and speaking of like consistency, like the I thought the I thought they were good vultures at the beginning of the movie and now they're bad vultures, I guess. What gave you the like impression they, they were good? Well, so they he says something about later on that the vultures or not, not the vultures, but that he was trying to the kid was trying to give him a sign and the vultures kind of led him to that uh to that first facility where we had to pay the ghost wall. Then they they're just kind of always ominously looking, but then they attack that the car. So I guess they're bad now. I I don't know. That, that's what I thought they were good. They were the three children, right? The three evil children, or the the three now burnt children. I think that's what their representation was. Yeah, I got the same feeling that they represented the three kids, but I agree with you too. It was more now they're good, now they're bad, now they're gonna just move the plot along. So like my big problem though with the consistency is that like this isn't a ghost that has like a specific agenda. She's just some drunk Irish New Yorker. She's like, I heard you were fucking talking shit about me over the phone. And then she kills Hannah. <laughs> yeah. I've, I've, known, I've known many drunk Irish women like that, so it's accurate. Hannah got, like, yeeted oh, out yes. that window. She got launched out that window hardcore, and she hit the ground. And I was like, oh, well, okay. There goes that character, I guess. We're done with you. We don't need you anymore. We're just gonna, Instead of just, like, you know, not showing you again, we're just going to get rid of you. So now we're back to the the taxi. The vultures have attacked the taxi. The taxi ended up crashing into another vehicle, and now the paramedics are there. They're treating Kristen. No major wounds, all minor wounds, but they expect uh, both of them to stay put and wait for the police to arrive for questioning. Uh, And Kristen's like, yeah, fuck that shit. Go now. Go now. Uh, Uh, This scene of him running from the paramedics to across the Brooklyn Bridge is so unbelievable, by the way. It doesn't matter where you are. The Brooklyn Bridge is huge. And I'm pretty sure it's a Brooklyn Bridge that keeps showing. I'm not a, a, a bridge aficionado. You're not a, you're not a bridge scientist? No, I, I haven't been to BridgeCon in a while. but it, oh, it I is, knew it. I no. knew it was coming. I knew it was going <laughs> to. But his, the fact that they partially made this like stumbling man of Nicolas Cage run all the way through the city and, th- and across the bridge and then down here. And then he's just fine. He, he's in there and he's not huffing he's not puffing he's just kind of like huh good job unbelievable that's the only thing that was unbelievable in this movie to me did we already see the part where he left his wife behind yeah this is where he did that what she told him to she's like go find our son yeah why correct. didn't she go with him she was with him the whole time <laughs> but she was just in a car accident yeah, so, i mean he was too but she was also in a car accident <laughs> apparently like i guess she had more uh head injuries or whatever, like we said, they had to go take her to get X-rays. Well, Nicholas Cage has a gash on his forehead. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, but he's also Nicholas Cage. Yeah, Somebody. Yeah. What's a gash? Can you imagine if this movie ends if they're both in the hospital and they're just both like, oh. <laughs> "We'd like to go find our son, but you know, we got to go to get checked out." I've got boo-boos. <laughs> got boo-boos. is appropriate for this movie. Dude. It just like fades to black. That's like concussions kill more people a year than uh, stealing poor <laughs> wives or whatever. So anyway, back back to the uh, the warehouse. Uh, he runs to the warehouse. He goes downstairs. The shanty town is basically empty, um, except for blind Rastafarian with the shitty wig. <laughs> and now he becomes ex ex exposition man. Exposition because for a guy who didn't know anything about pay the ghost, he definitely takes a payment in the form of his watch to be ferried to the other side. And by ferried, he just shows him where this bridge is 
that goes to Ghost World. Hey, give me your watch. Okay, now where is it? Uh, if you just go through that door right there, then you're all set. This part was hilarious to me because, so he takes the watch, right? And he shows him the bridge. And then he goes, oh, you might need this and gives him a flashlight. But he's like, you only have until midnight. Why did you take his watch then? Now he doesn't know how much time he has. Give him the watch, <laughs> if anything. I know. I, I thought that was honestly best move. It was the funniest thing I saw. It's like, you have till midnight. Well, how do I know what time it is? Uh, you should probably buy a watch. I don't know. That probably work. <laughs> I didn't even I didn't even think about that, but God, that's, that's I didn't think of that either. Absolutely right. I thought I honestly I thought he was gonna give back the watch. I, th- I thought it was gonna be some yeah, weird ass thing where he's like too. he's like, give me your watch, and then he's about to walk over and be like, here's your watch back. I'm sorry. <laughs> also, a blind man asking for a watch is that also not like a joke? Oh God, yeah, Jesus. <laughs> he said his... <laughs> yeah, he said I'm blind as a bat, but I, my ears work just fine. You you could hear what time your watch is clicking. Mm-hmm. That's how watches work. <laughs> I mean, he'll be right at least two times a day, right? Is that, is that the joke? A broken watches two times as fast as So anyway, so now we're crossing the bridge over to. Uh, uh, yeah, I, I guess I'll keep saying the other side. It's Ghost World. Just gonna say Ghost World. And actually, I, I kind of liked. I kind of liked what they did visually with this. Like he. He's crossing this bridge and it looks just like a typical warehouse bridge. And then like as he goes out, we're realizing like this is a long, long, long fucking bridge. And there's storm clouds underneath. So it gives that supernatural element. Visually, I liked it. It was simple. It was well done. I agree with you. I think this was the, like some of the best visuals of the movie. Because when he does come across the other side of the bridge, he's in. Looks like he's outside back in front of this the woman's house from before. The ghost house. It was cool. I like that visual. Which they definitely, they foreshadowed this in, uh, the, video oh yeah, in, in the, the video camera that we only mentioned yep. once. Yeah, that that they also only mentioned pretty much just once. I thought they would see the big bad guy because the kid definitely records the big bad guy. Definitely does. Uh, at the time as well. But no, that just it just scrambles and shows you this house for a second. And you're like, okay, cool. So yeah, they get to the house and like my initial thought is like, this is the first time like it really clicked for me. That she takes three kids every year since 1679. So since 1680, she's been taking three, the souls of three children into this tiny ass shack. And I was like, that can't be right. And then he goes into the basement of the house. And nope, that's right. There's like, there's hundreds of little ghost children in there. So Mike starts wading his way through this mosh pit of creepy ghost children. And he, he, all he says is Charlie and they all raise their hands, which I thought was hella creepy. But then he realizes that he uses this as the metric to find which child is not permeable, I guess. And to give like sweet ghost high five. Yeah, yeah. right. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Because his hand is just cutting through all of like the powdery ghost children. It'll cut straight through. But then, doink! And we come upon Charlie. Who who could have just answered? Because he's like, Charlie! And then Charlie's like, Dad, you made it! Motherfucker, just say here! Just say here! (laughs) (laughs) That just goes to show these ghosts have no organizational skills. Because you would think... 
first in, first out. New ghost to the front, old ghost to the back. But that's not how these kids operate. <laughs> no goddamn home trip. So now that he's found Charlie, he's like, all right, time to get the fuck up out of here. And then we meet uh, two of my favorite characters is Mia, who is the daughter of the uh, the Asian woman from the Chinese uh, food restaurant, and Pablo, who is just, you know, the third child that was taken. So they're the only solid children left. <laughs> just the third he's, child. he's just child number three. <laughs> he barely got a name, but <laughs> I yeah. think he's probably my favorite character. Um, so because now they're, they're running out of the house and I, I, the children, it's kind of like alluded to like that the children, like the door is left open. So like the children are kind of like following them slightly. Um, and then they, they make it to the bridge. They're trying to cross the bridge. Uh, Mike is trying to cross with all three of the children. And then of course the ghost Annie Saquin is on the bridge and she immediately attacks Mike and like starts choking him in the in the air, and then we get like some Harry Potter visuals where Charlie turns around to the other ghost kids, and he's like, "Help him!" And they're all like, "Ah, fuck it, all right." Now this is when we're gonna revolt. <laughs> the ghost revolt. It's because it's because Charlie is the one true king of Gondor. That's the only reason why the ghosts actually listen to him. <laughs> but he's dressed as a pirate with Sharpie on his face still. Okay. Did anyone else feel some sort of way towards Nicolas Cage in this part? Like, he just randomly picked two kids out and was like, yeah, you two can come with me, too. If he can do that, just take all the kids. Take them all. They do actually somewhat explain it because you can only get out of this, like, other side, this realm in the year, the following year after you're taken and then you're stuck yep, forever. You get one year. So these the three kids taken every year. These were the other two kids taken last year, Charlie's year. So they're the only two kids that can be taken. Correct. There are, there are rules to these things. That makes there, a lot of there sense. There are very but... clear cut rules to the paying the ghost ways uh, she re- does things, the way she policy. operates. I mean, as policy. Yeah, every fun policy, as long as you keep your receipt, from when you paid the ghost, you can get a full refund, no exchanges. And at least 365 days at max, sorry, at max 365 at days. At max, yes. Yeah. yeah. After I thought about that, I was like, wait, if he did get all the kids out, then they would all just be like displaced. And then they would all have to go into foster cares. And then I got really sad and I was like, oh, oh no. no, maybe the kids are better dead. <laughs> like, oh, God. You went deep into it. Oh, I, I did. I went really deep. Like, you should see my writing on this. I was like, oh, no. Wait. What if he does get all the kids out? <laughs> Dan started getting this. Dan felt disparity. They're just going to bog down the New York City foster care system. Then what's going to happen? <laughs> oh, <laughs> but we haven't. Honey, we adopted. We, we haven't considered the social <laughs> the social services aspect. We can't save all these fucking kids. <laughs> hey, the ghost, too. Who will save the fucking kids? <laughs> <laughs> Who's going to pay for these goddamn kids? But yeah, all these kids, they like, they suddenly become like golden. Like they fly at her and just become this swirl of, you know, golden spirit that surrounds Annie Saquin and it releases Nick Cage and they're able to make it out of they're able to make it off the bridge. The, the bridge starts collapsing. They just barely make it off. So that the reason Pablo is like my favorite character is he's always in the back 
And, like, I'm sure, because he's just such, like, a throwaway, like, last-minute character, I was sure that his his death was going to be, like, the one sad aspect of, like, saving Charlie. Like, oh, but we couldn't save Pablo! Oh, no! But, but everyone makes it out. And I was like, yes! Run, Pablo! Run! You did it! <laughs> yes, Pablo! <laughs> you fucking made it, buddy! Seems like you have, like deep connection to this i love pablo man he's one of my favorite all-time characters he doesn't say a word he's just a little spanish vampire he's dressed as dracula Uh, and this whole time for me when nick cage was like taking charlie out of the dungeon basement thing it's like he it was the most like stiff wooden performance i've seen the whole movie from nick cage it's not believable at all that this is his a father and son interacting with each other the portal closes like at exactly midnight because, of course, that's when they get off the bridge. And the portal closing is just like this hokey CG of like the wall reassembling itself. N- nothing more. We don't get any. We don't get anything else from the blind guy. And then it's just Charlie goes back home, and everyone's still alive. Charlie doesn't remember anything, and that's how it ends. And I was kind of like, you know, is Nick Cage dead? Did he actually fall off the bridge? Is that like, what is the kind of the somber note to this? Nope. Charlie's just home. And that, that was the ending. Roll credits. And then post credits. Then post credits. We get a useless visual of Hannah who was thrown out the window and she's got all of the, um, rebar. yes, th- I'm sorry. Yeah. The rebar, uh, throughout her like torso and the vultures are picking at her, and then her eyes open, and they turn to black, and that's the actual end of the movie. So, like, it's a, a useless illusion that Hannah is now, like, the ghost of Annie Saquin. It does nothing to further the story, like most of the aesthetic, creative decision-making in the movie. Um, and that's, that's that. You got you got to leave it open to the sequel, though. You always got to leave a sequel possibility. Not for this one. If we are good with with that, I'm going to go ahead and move over to uh, special effects and cinematography. I I have no real problem with most of this movie. The writing sucked balls, so I will say that the the cinematography was good. A couple really fun random shots, like the like I said, the one that's on the ground, kind of pointing back up as she as the uh, the medium is trying to get out of the taxi. Uh, the special effects were besides the vultures were fine. Uh, nothing crazy. It was all CGI. It was all all right. Um, the burnt body was kind of nice. I don't know if that was uh like the burnt on the inside body. That that was pretty cool. Yeah, we didn't. I, I guess we. I kind of glanced over that because there's so many just kind of like forgettable details. But yeah, like the coroner like opens up the the medium and like she's literally just charred inside like all of her organs are just it's as if she was burned at the stake and it was like oh okay this is about witches and it's uh it's it's just also predictable it is and and like i said that the the writing for this thing is bad but i will say that they didn't do terribly wrong most of like i honestly believe like half the movie was like b-roll like this should have been like a short form tv series rather than like a movie almost it was just a lot of B-roll of New York City and whatever else, because I guess they couldn't afford to actually pay to be inside anywhere, so they just grabbed whatever they could. But yeah, I, I don't know. It was it was all right. Uh, special effects and, and that, uh, you know. I just think some of his best effects came in the very end of the movie. The whole scene with uh, him crossing the bridge into the other uh, dimension. 
and all the black and white gray children raising their hands, like you said, for some sweet high fives. That was uh, <laughs> probably two of the best effects in the movie. Yeah, I'd give that. And like the the transition from the creepy spooky monster back into the woman was pretty good. That that was uh, yeah, that too. I like that one. So I, I just came all at the end, which was a shame that you'd have to sit through this whole movie just to get those couple good effects. Yeah, obviously the I think the big stain that we're we're all thinking about we haven't talked about too much is the vultures, and it was it was wishy washy. Sometimes it was it was kind of good from a distance. It was good, and then like there's a close up on a vulture a couple times that you're just like Jesus, no, you didn't need it. Yeah, when you look at stills for it, it looks really bad. Yeah, but yeah. With that, we'll just do um, sound effect and score. Um, I. I don't know. I think that there was, was there any music in this thing? There was, I think some like high tense, like typical music. I don't think there's anything too crazy. It, it all, it didn't sound rehashed, but it also wasn't new. You know what I mean? Like it, it just seemed music wise. It was like, meh. The movie just tried to be like big budget Hollywood, but it wasn't like, I, yeah. I don't know. It, that That's the sounds that I got out of it. It was like very, very typical for like a big budget horror movie where it's over edited and overdone. Yeah, and there, there was no significance in any of the the sound effects throughout the whole movie. Nothing stood out to me. Nothing, nothing was meant to be important. I think. I think it was just a just a movie. That I, I think there was there was very little. There was sizable ADR with the kid. I think that was where, where most of my issues came with the kids acting. Was it just seemed like they did it afterwards, like like you kind of expect, and it was kind of awkward. But um, otherwise, it was it was all right. And with that, uh, let's go ahead and go over to the spoopy meter. Dan, what is it this time? So continuing from last week uh, with our fun Nick Cage uh, facts. So this week I got for you that Nicholas Cage is a car enthusiast. I don't know if you guys knew that. Uh, one of the cars that he owned was a 1971 Lamborghini uh, Miura SVJ. An interesting fact about this car is that there's only 16 of them ever existed, and I believe it's seven of which were actually made by Lamborghini. So we'll go zero to 16. How many cars would you buy uh, to or give away, I guess, to have? The, I don't know. How many cars <laughs> would you give this movie? <laughs> uh, how many cars would you use to yeah, pay the Yeah, how many cars? There you go. I like that. How many cars would you use to pay the ghost? um hmm it's a good question i do have one question on top of that hold on uh, are you buying the car or leasing the car well I oh would you gotta say, buy it yeah I, I would say i would i would do just just for overall uh spoopy factor um i did the 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 expected jump scare uh it got me a little bit i was i'll admit that much it got it was like bah! i was like ah come on uh but the the whole spoopy of the movie is is almost none uh i will say uh they were gone in 60 seconds <laughs> uh, uh it's another yeah. Nicholas oh, oh. Movie. um mm-hmm. yep yeah no i got oh, it yeah no no we got it <laughs> <laughs> as in like zero zero spoopy uh and then i'm also gonna say that this movie i didn't i didn't hate it it wasn't the worst movie nicholas cage has ever done uh it definitely wasn't a good movie uh so i don't know uh four four uh stolen or bought vehicles i guess 
I guess I'll go. So overall, spoopy wise, there was a couple good effects at the end that were kind of creepy, but overall, this wasn't that scary of a movie. So I'd have to give this maybe two out of sixteen cars, things, Lamborghinis, and just overall as a movie, I really didn't like this movie. I felt it to be very boring. Uh, I know a lot. I can't even say anything else about this. It was just not good, and I would not recommend it. So another two out of 16. Don't watch this movie. I, I don't think there's a lot more that can be said. Like, it, it, it's just a very – it doesn't make any noise, this movie. It doesn't really say anything. It doesn't do anything. Um, it's just it, – it had a direction with, like, the Irish lore a little bit and, like, the pagan symbolism. It didn't really do much with it other than, like, you know – themes that we're already very familiar with, you know, the woman burned at the stake and, you know, cursing the town that really, it's just all of New York. Um, I, I've already said my piece with the consistency. Um, so I, I guess going back to the spoopy, I did like some of it. Some of uh, most of it was cheap though. It, it's a big budget movie that kind of relies on the, the cheapest kind of scares with the jump scares. My favorite was the, the use of the children uh, in the, the brownstone, uh, when the power goes out, I thought that was actually pretty well done. I thought the builds were predictable. Um, so spoopy wise, I'm going to give it like a three out of 16. The overall, I mean, yeah, Mike, Mike said it, it, it it's boring. It's boring. Um, ha- half the time, like, you know, you're following it. It's, it's not a deep movie. It's not difficult to understand. It's just told poorly. And I think if it was a little more, uh, I, th- I think the f- if the story flowed a little more, it I don't know, it, maybe it would have maybe it would have read better. M- maybe we could rate it higher, but it just didn't. Um, so yeah, overall, I'm going to go like a six out of sixteen, uh, just because it, it it wasn't the it wasn't the worst thing I've ever seen. It's palatable. It's just not anything spectacular. Yeah, I think if it was shorter. If I could throw that in there for in addition to yours and mine is just if the movie was just a little bit shorter, they could have cut out a couple scenes and it would have been fine. Yeah, you cut out that whole opening scene that you showed us again mm-hmm. later on. That's at least almost a solid minute that you can just cut it out. But um, yeah, I kind of agree with both of you. I didn't hate it, but it definitely wasn't a good movie. I still enjoy Nicolas Cage, even though. Not as not as uh, didn't enjoy it as much as I loved him uh, last week when we did Mandy because that was everything I wanted in a Cage film. But yeah, just I don't know. I was able to pay attention to parts of this movie, but it just didn't really keep my interest all that much. But there were like a few jump scares that did get me, um, like when he has like the dream of his son in his broom, and like as Jarvis said, it's the Jack in a Box effect. Like knew it was coming, knew it was coming. You know, jumped in the window, broke the glass. I did jump at that. But other than that, nothing really got me besides that. Uh, yeah, spoopy-wise, I'll give it a 4 out of 16 cars I'd pay for this ghost. And overall, I'm also going to go with a, a 6 cars. You know, again, it it wasn't the worst thing I've ever seen, but it definitely wasn't that good of a movie at all. Yeah, spoopy, I'm just going to straight up say 0 out of 16, didn't jump at anything. And overall, uh, that kind of ties into why it wasn't scary at all. The, the movie was disjointed. The 
character development was piss poor. It the acting was fine, the directing was fine at parts, but the story was just so all over the place that it was hard to really get a gauge on like what was going on in the movie. Um, and then couple that with the movie just being so shallow that there's really nothing in depth to take away from this movie. So I I just it, it wasn't good. It was bad. I put it on par with Conjuring the Devil and things like that. And Conjuring the Devil gets a little bit of a break just because it was so low budget and there was like, I mean, whatever. Those kind of movies have their flaws. This movie was a little bit bigger budget. It had more named actors. It, it should have been better than it was, and it wasn't. So I'm going zero out of 16 for overall, zero out of 16 for Spooky. Don't watch this movie. It's a piece of garbage. That's an awful uh, big statement to say it's worse than Conjuring the it Devil. Because I don't think there's been any movie I've seen that's been worse than Conjuring the Devil. I mean, it's it's not worse than Conjuring the Devil, but like in theory, I just feel like it is because it's like you have the money for it. They didn't have. I don't remember our rating scale for Conjuring the Devil, but if it was out of 16, I'm pretty sure you gave Conjuring the Devil one out of 16. I'm pretty sure. Huh. Well, I'm not taking it back. They get a zero out of 16 on this one. <laughs> I was, with this movie, I was just bored watching it. Conjuring the Devil, I actively did not. I actually hated watching it. Just staring at disbelief, <laughs> I, like somebody okay. put this on to film for for two hours. I, we we were granted uh, clemency on this one, where and due to the fact that it was only like an hour and thirty five minutes, uh, Conjuring the Devil was two plus hours. If this would have been two hours, I probably would have said it was just as bad. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. If this was a little bit shorter, I'd say it's like a fun afternoon. You could probably toss it on and not really pay attention to it with your family. And like, by but I mean fun. I mean, hopefully you have better things to do while you're watching it. But otherwise, uh, yeah, I, I wouldn't recommend watching it either. So it was all right. It's just like a, it's a forgettable Nick Cage film, unfortunately. Um, not because of, not because of him, but it's just just forgettable, I guess. But with that. Uh, I think we're just going to leave it out. I want to say thank you to Connor McLeod and Andrew Cavanaugh for our uh, artwork and then our music respectively. Uh, I want to say thank you to you. Uh, Thank you for listening. If you can, uh, you know, toss us around. We have a new Facebook group. So go and say hi to the Facebook group. Um, It's uh, I think it's just open. So come on in and join. Um, We also have Instagram and Gmail and you can find all that in the description of our podcast. And beyond all that, Chris, do you want to go ahead and just let the people know why they're missing their children. Thanks for <laughs> Thanks for stopping by and having a horrible time. <laughs>